Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this is The Gateway. It's Wednesday, January 13th. I'm Wayne Pratt. As the COVID-19 vaccine becomes more widely available in Missouri, employers have to make a decision. Should they require staff to get vaccinated? Employers are going to have to tread very carefully and ensure that they're covering all of their bases, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan explores that question with a Washington University law professor in just a few minutes. St. Louis public schools will close at least eight schools in the spring as part of a consolidation plan. Historic Sumner High School received a short reprieve. It will not be considered for closure until March. The school board considered closing up to 11 schools but decided to keep Hickey and Monroe elementaries open. Board President Dorothy Rohde Collins says the closures are painful but necessary. I think there are um, clearly systemic equity issues within our city that we have a role in rectifying. But if we continue to operate as many schools as we have, I don't know how we actually fix this. By closing buildings, the district says it will be able to increase support staff and offer more courses and internships. The district has lost about 90,000 students since its peak in the late 1960s. Legislative action by the St. Louis County Council is at a standstill. A dispute over who is eligible to choose the leadership of the council brought the body to a halt last night. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. The standoff began when four members of the council voted for a resolution rejecting last week's election of chair and vice chair. One of the yes votes was Shalonda Webb, the newly seated councilwoman of the 4th District. The people of the 4th District elected me to represent them. They want my voice to be their voice and they want me to fight for them. Webb's predecessor cast the deciding vote in that leadership election. A legal opinion from the county councilor says the resolution has no legal effect, but some on the council disagreed with that conclusion and tried to name a presiding officer. They adjourned when Democrat Lisa Clancy and Republican Tim Fitch both attempted to lead the meeting. I'm Rachel Lippman. St. Louis Public Radio. That stalemate was reached hours after members of the council were sworn in yesterday. Republican Ernie Trakas is in his second term representing the 6th District, which covers most of South County. He says nobody benefits from divides within a party. We as elected representatives do not have the luxury of partisan bickering and grandstanding to further personal agendas. We can no longer choose not to govern. Trakas has frequently taken heat for voting against other members of his party, especially on issues of limiting the authority of Democratic County Executive Sam Page. Leaders of the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra and the Musicians Union have agreed to increase salaries after a series of pay cuts during the pandemic. St. Louis Public Radio's Jeremy Goodwin reports. Orchestra musicians saw their pay slashed by as much as 40 percent for a few months from September to January. 
The new agreement means they'll now keep 85% of their $96,000 base salaries. St. Louis Symphony Orchestra cut its annual budget by a third during the pandemic after abruptly canceling concerts in March because of limits on public gatherings. President and CEO Marie-Hélène Bernard says the cuts are unavoidable. Right now we are not generating earned revenue because we are not having normal concert activities. And fundraising is of course behind a normal year because it's not a normal year. Bernard says the orchestra could resume concerts in Powell Hall as early as late February if coronavirus case numbers decrease enough. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, St. Louis Public Radio. The Blues are back tonight. The National Hockey League team begins its COVID-delayed 2021 season in Denver. Kurt Price is a longtime fan and co-host of the Let's Go Blues radio podcast. He's looking forward to the return of the National Hockey League, even with the nation still in the grips of COVID-19. It's worth a shot. I mean, maybe it's being a little selfish as a fan, but none of the players have opted out in the league, or for the Blues anyway. So I think uh, they're all on board. You know, they're, they're given the option to opt out if they want, so they don't have to play. So if they want to play and they can try and be as safe as possible, uh, I say go for it. The Blues' first home game is slated for Monday against San Jose. Missouri officials expect to vaccinate all health care workers by the end of this month, followed by other essential workers. The Equal Employment Opportunity Commission said last month employers can require staff to get the COVID-19 vaccine. But what if a worker refuses? St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan spoke with Washington University law professor Peggy Smith about what employers and workers can expect. The EEOC has made it clear uh, employers are going to be able to mandate the vaccinations, although there are some exceptions. And the first is with regard to employees with disabilities. And the second is going to apply to those employees who don't want to get the vaccination because of sincerely held religious beliefs. And that is going to be governed by the Civil Rights Act. So let's say an employee goes to their boss and says, I'm not getting vaccinated, either because of a disability or a religious belief. What happens next? So what the employer is going to have to be able to demonstrate is that any unvaccinated employee is someone who would, in fact, pose a direct threat because there is a significant risk to the health and safety, either to that individual or to other individuals. The employer also has to be able to establish that that risk can't be eliminated or reduced by a reasonable accommodation. So it's not just, right, because you pose a risk to my workplace, even as you have a disability, you have to leave. You can't do that until you actually engage in the process of trying to provide a reasonable accommodation to the worker that has a disability. What if we're talking about a company where it's not possible for the employer to make those accommodations, where the work has to be done in person, like a mechanic or a grocery store worker? Even then, the employer should look to see if there are any other applicable state, federal, or local laws that might give that employee some additional rights. 
uh, you could well imagine that even if an employer is not able to provide a reasonable accommodation to an employee who says that they don't want to take the vaccine because of a disability, maybe that employee would be, say, entitled to leave under the FMLA. Perhaps that employee is entitled to leave under some other employer policy. But assuming there is no other protection that is available, the employer can, in fact, terminate the employee. I can imagine that employers are going to have to be really careful before they fire an employee for refusing to get vaccinated so they don't you know, open themselves up to a lawsuit. Without a doubt, the EEOC has indicated that when an employer is trying to make that judgment, some of those factors that the employer has to consider is what's the duration of the risk that is being posed here? What's the nature and severity of the potential harm that might come about by allowing the unvaccinated employee to remain in the workplace? So without a doubt, employers are going to have to tread very carefully and ensure that they're covering all of their bases, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. Taking a step back here, I mean, how likely do you think it is that we're going to see employers actually requiring staff to be vaccinated? I think that actually very few employers will look to mandate the vaccination. Employers are going to be really sensitive to the reality that right now, any number of employees are resistant to getting the vaccination. There is a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there about the vaccine. And I think employers are aware of that. They're going to be really concerned about causing a backlash. And so as a practical matter, I think that what you're going to see is that instead of mandating the vaccine, employers are going to be far more likely to strongly encourage workers to get vaccinated. That was Wash U Law Professor Peggy Smith talking with St. Louis Public Radio's Shayla Farzan. Our Maria Altman edited that report. Shula Newman is the executive editor of St. Louis Public Radio. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. It will be another historic day in Washington. St. Louis Public Radio will have special coverage of the House of Representatives debate on a resolution to impeach President Donald Trump. Our regular programming is being streamed on our website, stlpublicradio.org. I'm Wayne Pratt. From the St. Louis Public Radio Newsroom, this has been The Gateway. Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house.